Amen. We're carrying on our uh, studies in the way in which the Spirit makes all things new from uh, Genesis 1 and 2. And I, I, just want to, um, I just want to read the text for you this morning and let you kind of think about it as I read it rather than having to uh, look at the words up on the screen. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that which he had done. Amen. Amen. You know how uh, some people don't think God's got uh, much of a sense of humor? Well, uh, God has a huge sense of humor. Um, you just have to look around, really, don't you? Um, God, God has a great sense of humor. I'll tell you how I know God has a great sense of humor, because God is getting me to speak about Sabbath. And um, hands up if you have a mobile phone with you. Everybody, pretty much everybody. Bless you if you don't. Um, hands up if you've still got your mobile phone on while I'm speaking. Right, I'm just going to take a picture of that. Um, now, I'm not going to say that you're addicted to social media. Um, psychologists might say that if you find it really hard to switch your phone off. Um, see, I, I'm conditioned by this. Um, totally, utterly, and completely. This is a kind of home and work phone, which means sometimes at 11 o'clock at night, uh, some diddy will have done something not acceptable in a church in Wales or something like that, and I'll start getting emails about it, and I'll answer them, and, and I'll kind of look at them, and I'll think about it the whole time. And then, um, and then I've, got, I've got this... Uh, PA called Cara, and uh, I have a PA for two reasons. One is because I'm rubbish at double booking myself, right? Other people probably do that as well, but I don't know if you've double booked yourself to speak in Aberdeen and Dumfries at the same time on the same day, and so, uh, so somebody with wisdom in the EA said, to save any more damage and chaos happening, we have to get this boy a, a PA. So I've got a PA, and we spent last week trying to decide where I want to speak and go between September and Christmas, um, because everything else is kind of booked right, right through till the end of September on. So where am I wanting to go and speak? So my, my kind of life is moving all the time. And then Ian said to me, I want you to come and speak about Sabbath, right? And I thought, God is either having a laugh um, or God has something to say directly into my life. And I think it's probably the second one, but I'm also hoping that God has something to say directly into your life as well. We can only uh, scratch the surface on ideas about rhythms of life and how important it is both to God and to you to find a rhythm of life that's going to work for you. But if you want to find out more, if you really feel, yeah, God is speaking to me, or if you feel 
life is moving too fast for me. I'm burning out. I'm under pressure. I'm really not coping. I'm not sleeping very well. My mental health's not as good as it might be. And I guess, looking at statistics, there's at least 20% of the folks in this room who are feeling that right at this moment. Um, I can't cope. I've got so many plates I'm trying to spin. I don't know uh, what's going to happen. If one crashes, they're all going to crash, and I don't know how I'm going to keep my life going. If you want to think more about that, then... Uh, next slide, please. Then I'd encourage you uh, to, to get the name of, of this book. Because this book radically looks at areas around Sabbath and rest and how God really meant us to live our lives. When Jesus talks about us living life in all of its fullness, what does he really, really mean in that? And how do we actually live it? What does it look like to live life in all its fullness? So, um, so John Mark Comer is a bit of an expert on that sort of stuff, but it's an easy to read book. Um, it's, it's got no big highfalutin theological words in it, so, so you'll, you'll uh, cope with it. Last week, um, next slide please, last week Ian talked a, a, a little bit about all of us having this kind of um, desire essentially for God that was created within the whole creation. Um, we have this uh, hole within our hearts, this desperation for a relationship with God that flows out of the fact that, that our DNA is to walk in the garden with God. Free and perfect and, and absolutely at one with the Father. And being at peace and at rest in our spirits. And yet, with sin, desire became twisted, didn't it? And while desire is still quite a good thing in some ways, so we desire for justice. Some of us desire for mercy. Some of us desire to, to create a good life for our families and for other people. Desire can be a good thing, but here is the thing restlessness and, and desire are always with us and always unending. Next slide, please. Augustine of, of Hippo, bishop in the early church, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. All of us have a restless heart, a desiring heart, and that's, that's uh, shown in almost everything that we do today. You know, it, it was kind of uh, Freud who looked at the motivators of what gets people to do certain things. And that was turned into uh, advertising and filming by the Nazis in 1941 to, to Germans to try and get them to, to commit themselves more to the war. Was then transferred to the state's ad agencies in the 1950s, and now on your phone and computer and TV, on estimate, you will get about 4,000 ads wanting you to do something or invest in something every week. 4,000 things trying to pull your desire for something, your desire for more. Absolutely astounds me that uh, anybody 
pretty much who had an iPhone, wants a new iPhone. And all they do is kind of tart it up a wee bit and put a new camera in it. And there's a queue right along this kind of street in London, all waiting. And in London, it's interesting, in London, it's the Apple store that's got the big queue outside it. In Glasgow, it's Greg's. I don't know what that says about, about Glaswegians or about Scots or whatever. We can do without a phone, but a pie. No, that's a different matter altogether. But, but there, there we go. The desire is for more, and then for more, and then for more. The desire is when we've got that, we actually want that, and then we want that, and then we want that, because that never satisfies and then we kind of look for that car. And then as soon as we've got that car, we think, oh, that car's faster. Or I should have gone for that color. And we go on and on and on and on. And our lives can be pictured by the way in which this endless desire drives us for more stuff and more and more of this or that or whatever it is. And when we get it, it never fulfills that restlessness within our spirits. And so we go for something else and we go for something else. And then we desire to look different. And so we go to the gym and it doesn't quite do it. And then we go for another gym, doesn't quite do it. And then we use Botox, doesn't quite do it. And then we get more plastic surgery, doesn't quite do it. I'm not speaking from personal experience, you understand. Um, neither the gym or the plastic surgery, to be honest with you. And, uh, and then we, we kind of go on and we go on and we go on and we're never, ever satisfied. The Christian writer Dallas Willard uh, wrote this. Desire is infinite, partly because we are made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite and eternal. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. We have a world that is desperate for a connection with God but doesn't know it. And we have a world that is desiring and desiring and desiring itself towards destruction by putting its trust in one thing, then another thing, then another thing, then another thing, and longing and longing and longing and longing. And if only, if only, if only, if only. If only I had that. No, if only I had that. No, if only I had that. No, if only I had that. Then I would be satisfied. And ultimately, where have we gone? Well, I used some of these uh, figures before, but let me just say of Scotland again. The fastest uh, growing percentage of people self-harming of anywhere in Europe, Scotland the fastest and biggest suicide rates due to addiction, Scotland. The number of breakups and growing mental health issues, one of the fastest in Europe, Scotland. But almost anywhere that you go, you see all of these stats rising as people realize that, that 
we can't go on the way we're going, but we don't know anything else. And that hook of desire that leads to destruction uh, breaks God's heart. So what is the, the antidote for a desiring culture? And what is the antidote for a culture that rushes and rushes and rushes and rushes, wants things to happen instantly. I've asked this quite a few things. It depends on your age maybe on this, but um, hands up if when you're watching TV and adverts come on, you change to another program just to save watching the adverts. Be honest now. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Took a while for people to become honest there, but we, we kind of got there over half the room. Doesn't have the patience to wait through two minutes of ads. You'd rather watch two minutes of another program you're not going to watch than watch the ads waiting between programs. <laughs> Moving fast, never stopping, keeping going, keeping driving, looking for the best. Is that really what God wanted your life to be like? Did God really have in mind people that would be burning out, taking antidepressants and rushing from the time they were 16, getting nowhere? Was that really what God had in mind when he created all of the beauty round about and created you in the midst of it? Do you think he created you to never be satisfied, never be happy, and always be rushing and never ever aware a way of getting off a treadmill? Was that God's heart for you? What is the antidote? What's the rhythm of life that God intended? Next slide, please. The word is Shabbat. It means Sabbath. And Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man. It was God's gift to people. Shabbat really means stop. Whatever you're doing, stop it. Just put it down. Walk away from it. Turn your back on it. Just for a second, stop. But Hebrew scholars tell us that the word Shabbat actually has more of a meaning than just stop. It actually means stop and ponder. Stop and take time to reflect. Stop, take a breath, and begin to think. The stop for some of us, I realize, is tricky. The second bit, ponder, even harder. Taking time to think for some of us, that's a way up there. But, but that's what the word means. Two or three Hebrew uh, writers that I looked at also said there's a mark, a, a, a hint of celebration about the word Shabbat. Stop and think and celebrate. Stop, move away from what you've been doing and celebrate God's goodness. Stop and think about God's goodness. Let me ask you, because this was God asking me this week, how often 
do I just stop, put down the agenda, switch off the mobile phone, not look at the iPad, and just wait and think and celebrate God's goodness? How often do I go and just go for a walk with nothing and look at the skies and the stars and the created order and breathe without stress, without having to be somewhere, without running after something, just stop and breathe and look and acknowledge the beauty of God. And that that same beautiful God is the God who has created and called and is with me. The idea of Shabbat is radical counter-cultural. When everybody else is rushing for everything, to actually say, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to wait. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to think, and I'm just going to wait upon God and enjoy God. Shabbat is about celebration. It's about food together. It's about doing what you want to do. It's about worship. It's about waiting. But it's not about what we always do the rest of our lives. So three things really quickly as an introduction to this stuff. And I know you may be like me. Uh, Next slide, please. You may be like me, and you're already thinking, I pie in the sky, folks, for somebody like him who only works one day a week anyway, and only that for about an hour and a half on a Sunday. But for for those of us who have real lives and real families and real work, uh, we're never, ever going to make that happen. Let me tell you this. Right? First thing about Sabbath in Genesis, God rested. Right? Well, you're saying, oh, uh, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I have to be on the go the whole time. I, I'm kind of, I've got to make sure things happened. God rested. Oh, but I've got too much to do. I've got, uh, I've got work. I've got kids. I've got family. Yeah. I've got watching St. Johnson. I've got, uh, I've got whatever else uh, nonsense I waste my time on. I've got all sorts, all sorts of stuff. God rested. Why did God rest? God of infinite energy. God who is in time and above time. God who is, uh, who is beyond Everything that we can imagine rested because God was demonstrating to his created order that there has to be a rhythm that involves rest. There has to be a life that involves stepping back and looking and reflecting and waiting and enjoying that which has been made, God rested. So if God rested, specifically so that you would understand about rest, and then just to make sure we got it, God adds it in as one of the Ten Commandments. 
and then Jesus speaks about it, we get the sense that Sabbath is really, really important to health and well-being. Not just to spiritual health, I would say, but to all health and well-being. Your mental health will be better if you can find a way to Sabbath. I believe that. Your whole life will be better if you have a rhythm that is dictated by what God said rather than by what the world expects of you. So that's the first thing. Second thing. Sabbath, it said in Genesis 2, was to be a blessing. You notice in the creation stories, there's only three actual blessing things. There are the animals that are to, to go and grow in number. There are humans that are to go and, and to uh, guard and take the land, so to speak, and procreate. And the only other thing where the word blessing is connected is the word Sabbath. God blesses Sabbath. And there are, there are some uh, uh, Hebrew scholars, rabbis, who actually believe uh, and have written that people's blood pressure goes down if they take Sabbaths. That actually for your health and well-being, the way you were created, your physical well-being is better if you take Sabbath than if you don't. That's a thought, isn't it? If God has created you in a way and he's created an order for you to rest and how you live and how the rhythm of your life goes, that actually you prosper and grow more if you follow it. Who would have believed that? And the third is this. Next slide, please. That the Sabbath was to be holy, set apart, different, unique. It's not like a day off. Let me uh, just, just tell you. So this is what a day off normally is, isn't it? A day off is when you do all the things you've no managed to do when you've been working. Right? So who goes for their shopping on a day off? Quite a lot of people. <laughs> who, who does all the other bits and pieces of chores and things that you've been trying to do all through the week, but can't you? And then on your day off, you do them. Yeah. So when we're talking about Sabbath, we're not talking about day off. We're talking about day set aside for reflection, worship, celebration, people, rest, waiting upon God. And I know you're going to say that's not practical in my lifestyle. And I'm going to say back to you that it takes discipline and it takes work and it's not just about 24 hours. It's about whether you have a Sabbat lifestyle. Whether you are constantly looking for the time and the moments plugged in intentionally that are to step back and ponder, and wait, and celebrate, and be with God, and be with others, and be yourself in the midst of it. Here's the thing. God doesn't need driven people. God can do stuff all by himself. God needs people to hear his voice and obey him. Next slide, please. 
So here's my kind of challenge on this, just as an introduction to it. Can we begin to live as God intended and make more time for him? What would it mean for you this afternoon, for an hour, let's say, to switch your mobile off, to stick it in a drawer, and to go for a walk and just enjoy what creation is all around you? Would it be possible for you to spend time sewn into your week where there is little bits, jewels of time that are set apart where you're just able to take a breath and breathe and keep in step with the Spirit? Can you begin to create a rhythm where you're listening for God and living in celebration? Can you find a day to start Maybe it's, it's one day a month or whatever, one 24 hours where you say, you know what? I am just going to ponder, worship, celebrate, enjoy, have people around, eat together and just live without worrying about anything and be open to what God does. Can we get off the desire-led lifestyle that leads to anguish and burnout and frustration and disappointment and hurt because this is not the world, the last one. Let's be clear about this. There are Christians who are close to burnout. There are people in the room who feel the stress of having so much to do and not enough time to do it. There are those of us who know that we're on a kind of desire treadmill and we go after stuff and after stuff and after stuff. This is not outside of the church, folks. Let's not kid ourselves. This is church life. Where we rush between work to get to another meeting, to get to another meeting, to get to another meeting. To make sure we're at everything and tick every box and we think that God will be happy with us because we're killing ourselves getting to everything. And God says, that's not the rhythm I created for you. Where did you find that? The rhythm I created for you is your work is your worship. Same Hebrew word for work and worship. Your work is your worship. Your rhythm is the one I dictated to you. You open your hearts and you slow down, and you rest and wait upon me. You do not hear my voice because you never take time to listen. You do not hear my voice because you never take time to listen. You just stand with me, please. We just ask the band to come back. Let's just bow our heads and just reflect for a moment. Do I recognize myself in this of the burnout, of the stress, of the running after and running after and running after, of the constant social media, the constant demands, everything that's going? Do I need to find a new rhythm? Does the idea of pondering and walking and waiting and celebrating sounds so good to me. 
If that's you, would you just really quickly put your hand up? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Just, just put your hand back down again just to see you. Wow. Lots of people in the congregation running too fast. So let's pray. God, you intended that we would work. You intended that we would do the best that we can do, but you made us for much more than that. Your heart's desire was that we would have a rhythm of life that led to flourishing and fruitfulness. Lord, many of us just need to slow down to create a new rhythm, to have time where we worship and wait and celebrate and walk and maybe even dance and skip and delight in your presence. And forgive us, God, if we are rushing so on, caught up in the narrative of the world. And we have a restlessness in our souls because they're not rooted in you. And give us courage, God, with the help of your spirit to begin to take steps that will change our lives. That will make our times with family more fruitful. That will help us in the stresses that we face that will enable us more fully to live as you intended us to live with life in all its fullness. And forgive us, God, when we are so rushing on, <laughs> so full of stuff, so full of doing stuff, sometimes stuff we think you want us to do, that we're so bombarding things that we never take time to listen to you. Our prayers are five minutes in the car as we're rushing to the next meeting. That was not life as you intended it. And God, I pray for those of us who really feel that we are close to burnout. We're on that treadmill. We can't find a way out of it. Lord, by your spirit, will you help us to make the changes we need to make. And fill us afresh with the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.